You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. So I recently just went and had a doctor's appointment that was like way long overdue. I don't know if you're like me and avoid those appointments, but um, I get there and, and the nurse, you know, as they do, they check in all your stats, your blood pressure and and uh, she looked concerned when she checked my blood pressure, and she checked it a few times and dimmed the lights a few times and asked me to relax and take deep breaths and think calm thoughts. And, you know, like that's supposed to help in some way. But um, then she put this big, large, uh, laminated sign on the doctor's desk, and it read, recheck blood pressure dangerously high. And she left. Um well, my doc came in and, you know, he rechecks it and he's like, hey, your blood pressure is 170 over 110. Um, but I said, no, no, don't worry. I feel fine. Like, I'm totally fine. I feel normal. No problem. No problem. Um, you know, that's my baseline, doc. We're good. It's okay. It's all right. He's like, you feel good? I'm like, yeah, I feel great. No worries. And he, the doctor didn't say um, that, that, okay, Dave, you feel fine? Great. No problem. We'll see you next year. Um, no, because he had like data to determine that having a blood pressure of 170, 110, over 110 is like a really bad thing. However, we often see sort of this view that what you think is right is right for you what it means for me to love you and support you in that thing that you think is right is for me to just say, okay, you're right. So everyone's good. What's good for you is good for you. And that wasn't the case when I go to my doctor. And that's not really the case in life either. But this is kind of the culture that we're in. This is This is, of of course, this idea is called moral relativism. And before we get going, this this talk is almost like three talks in one, but we're going to try to get through it today. I want to define right away what moral relativism relativism is, is that it's saying that there is no such thing as a universal right or wrong. Individuals and cultures are free to form their own moral truths. And thus, truths are always correct because there are no objective moral truths to compare them to. This way of thinking and acting has gotten into our institutions, into our schools, into universities, our companies we work for, and even our churches. Nietzsche, the philosopher, he said, to will your own desire as law. So we live in this culture of moral relativism, and then we have, we've have we moved from this idea, this, this liberating culture that we have, where free love, or just free everything, to this like condemning culture. So what we do is we, we throw off the constraints of right and wrong, and we're free to create whatever we feel is right or wrong inside of us, and now, we live in a world where then we get we condemn for that. We live in a world of condemnation. 
And if you don't accept my vision for the world that I've created that is right, then you stand on the wrong side of history and you're in danger of being canceled. This ultimately leads to like moral confusion. Right and wrong moves into opinion within you. You follow your heart, not the will of God, not the creator. You do you as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. But in order to understand what is harm, we need to understand what's good and evil. We say love is love without any authority of what love is. Then when someone doesn't support me in my love that I've created myself in the way that I think it should be, I then condemn them and they are now my enemy. We first actually need to find a source for moral authority. How did we get from like survival of the fittest idea all the way to Black Lives Matter? It doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not consistent. You can only get to racial justice from Genesis chapter one. All human beings are created in the image of God. There's a source. We're attempting to live with no sacred order or transcendent moral authority beyond ourselves. Douglas Murray, he's an author and politician, and he describes himself as an atheist. He says this in a recent book that he wrote, all of our grand narratives have collapsed in Western society. Religion went first, and then political ideologies went next in this postmodern era, which is defined by its suspicion towards all grand narratives. And this has led to a breakdown of the modern project. And then he writes this quote, people in wealthy Western democracies today could not simply remain the first people in recorded history to have absolutely no explanation for what we are doing here and no story to give life purpose. This is someone who doesn't claim at all to be a Christian. He even acknowledges that we're the first society to try to find meaning in life within ourselves and it's not working. It is breaking down everywhere. And my point in all of this is I think that we need to restore a sacred order because what we have right now is it's not working. It's the difference between sort of this idea of oneism and twoism. Oneism is based solely, solely on your one opinion and that you're creating thing out of oneself. Twoism is which, is which is sort of written in our code, in our DNA, and we do it with our creator. It seems like our world is becoming less moral and more moral all at the same time. We just don't know what we're aiming at. Like, for example, with race, we have had a, a moment here of racial reckon, uh, re reckoning in our country. Um, it's, it's been a long time coming uh, with, with the killing of Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Amon Arbery. It seems like our nation is moving towards human rights. And this is right, and this is good, and it is so needed. But where is the North Star of morality when it comes to human rights? What is it based on? Where are we, what are we aiming for? 
how do we know when we hit it? How do we know if we actually became more moral in terms of race in our nation? How do we become more moral honoring the standard human rights? How do we make sure that people aren't using racial rights and racial reconciliation as some sort of Trojan horse for all some new ideology to come in? Like, where's the fulcrum? Where, where's, where's the fulcrum attached to uh, for the moral hinge? You know, where, where's the fulcrum for race and, and, and marriage and sexuality and gender and equality and our bodies? Is it connected to oneism or is it connected to twoism? For the follower of Jesus, that fulcrum we live by is God and his authority. And specifically, the teaching of Jesus, who is the fullness and revelation of God, and the word Jesus has called upon us in a culture of moral, moral relativism is holiness. You see, holiness will be the thing we're aiming for. Holiness is what it'll feel like when we follow Jesus. Holiness is is our bodies, is our mind. Holiness sets us apart. Now, one of the most repeated commands in all of Scripture is, be holy as I am holy. This is what God says over and over and over again throughout the Bible. Be holy as I am holy. Now, I don't know what the term holy or holiness stirs up in you, especially if you grew up in the church. For some the word may stir up this idea of some kind of caste system of Christianity where there are people who are more holier than you and you, you are never achieved that um, and, and that you've always felt less. For some of you, you've just felt like holiness is a goal that I can never attain and I'm not even going to strive and you've just given up. But as a follower of Jesus, we choose to be a community of holiness while living in a culture of moral relativism. Apprenticing to Jesus' way of life means that we follow his mental maps to reality. He's our transcendent moral authority. The more we align our life to the teachings of Jesus, to his mental maps to reality, the more we flourish and thrive in relationship with God and others. And the reverse is also true. The more we turn away our life with Jesus, the more we show up in reality in such a way that we actually struggle and suffer. There's a philosopher, from uh, he's a British philosopher, H.H. Farmer. He put it, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. That said, it's so important to keep in mind that this all doesn't put on us as followers of Jesus at odds with the host culture. It just puts us out of place in our host culture on both the left and the right. Holiness means to be set apart. It's not just about behavior, but it's about an inner life. Holiness is about our whole body. So how do we be a community of holiness and a culture of moral relativism? Well, one of the things that we can do is we can actually develop a practice of fasting. Fasting seeks to rescue us from a culture whose views of the body right now is low and to put us into a worldview in which our bodies are the very temple of God. 
What we do and don't do with them actually matters because we matter. Fasting then becomes a practice from the life and teachings of Jesus that sets us up to starve the flesh and feed the spirit, to amplify our prayers, and to stand in solidarity with the poor. Fasting is a way of praying with our whole bodies as we partner with God to usher in his kingdom to our world. Now, I know fasting can be another word and thing that stirs some stuff up that might not be healthy for you. I know uh, I have I've often uh, in the past said, I'm going to fast, and it really wasn't motivating me to fast and pray. It was motivating me. I wanted to lose some weight, right? And sometimes we have different motivations for that. But I want to encourage you, for those of you who have maybe have some baggage with fasting or, or even have just some questions about it, I want to recommend two books to you today. One is called Fasting the Ancient Practices by Scott McKnight. And the other book is called God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. And I'll put those in the comments. I want to encourage you actually to to think about and pray about fasting, to make a plan. Don't just do it willy-nilly. Don't just like make a plan. Uh, Choose, I'm going to fast one day a week or I'm going to fast two days a week. I'm going to fast from dinner to dinner one day, or I'm going to skip lunch, or uh, when, when the sun, I'm going to do sun up to sundown fast. Build in time during that fast to pray, to stop, to slow down, to listen. Let's be a community that is moving towards holiness in a culture of moral relativism by fasting and praying with our whole bodies. Let's go be the church. 